Life goes on. Or does it? Come on, train. Let's get there. It was now 2.15. I had 15 minutes to get to my car and pick up my son from high school. Damn that audition for some commercial that I'm never going to get anyway. I hopped off the train and ran down the street to my car. It was 2.20 by the time I raced up the street to get to my parking spot. Yes, I got there in time. It was empty. I put the car in park and breathed a sigh of relief. I had made it. The first bell had rung, but where was Eli? He was usually the first kid out the door. Sometimes I thought he must have been standing behind it to be able to get out so fast. Five minutes passed, still no Eli. Then, there he was. Hood over his eyes, headphones in his ears. That's my heart, my baby boy, now all grown up. That was no fake TV baby. He was very real. He got into the car. No hi, no nothing. Hey, kid, I said. I moved my purse to the back seat so he could sit. Nothing. Not even his usual low-voiced, hi, mom. We drove home in silence. Just as I pulled into the driveway, I asked, Did something happen at school today? What's the matter? Dead silence. He didn't reach for his backpack. He didn't move. He sat there, stone-faced. I got out of the car and came into the house alone. A minute, five, ten minutes passed. Still no E. That's our nickname for him. I looked out the window. He was still sitting in the car. He's a quiet kid, but this was not my E. My motherly instincts were going crazy. I felt like a live wire. When E finally came into the house, I moved on him like a wolf to her cub. Did something happen? Did you get into a fight? Who hurt you, baby? If you don't tell me, then there's nothing I can do to help. Dead silence. I started to get angry now. I know how kids are these days. Someone had hurt him, and I wanted to know who. Damn it, if you don't tell us when something happens, how do we help? I started to feel like I was playing charades. I asked all kinds of questions, stupid ones to get him talking. Still nothing. Then I asked the one that we had discussed on many other occasions. Honey, did someone say something about me? Did someone tease you about Mom? With eyes that could kill, he looked at me as though he hated everything about being my kid. He said the two kids had passed him on the street and said that kid, that rich motherfucker, that very morning I had to raid the coin jar to find lunch money for him. What they had said must have been the straw that finally broke my baby's back and mine. I saw the answer to my question in his big, beautiful, angry brown eyes. He simply walked away, went to his room. He closed his door and locked it. I stood there, knowing the truth, feeling such a loss, not anger, but a hole, a void. There were no words to describe how I felt at that moment. After all we had been through, after all the places we had moved to, eight in total. As hard as I had tried to protect him from the evils of the world, honey, hold my hand, look both ways when you cross the street. There's no boogeyman under the bed. Pick yourself up when you fall. Mummy loves you. I will always protect you, always be there for you. My greatest fear had been realized. My life had become his life. My assassination had become his assassination. It would always be there, like a disease. My so-called crime had become his crime. My fame had become his shame. 
I walked into the living room and sat down on the sofa, numb, wondering what to do next. What could I say? What had I really done? What was my crime? Here it was again. How could I control the rage I felt inside? The mother in me was seething. I saw yellow and then red. My heart pounded with anger until I felt myself getting dizzy. The room started to spin. I had suffered from unexplained vertigo for many years now, and I felt an attack coming on. I got up from the sofa, shook my head hard, tried to control my breathing. Sometimes that helped. We had lost so much from Will Smith's words already over the many years that had passed since I played the role of Vivian Banks for three seasons on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I recalled reading about a comment he'd made about Hitler and how angry he was at the way it had been misinterpreted. He had even gone to court over it. It mattered when it was his reputation. It seemed that over the years he had had to defend a number of his comments. I recalled myself taking the high road and trying to be dignified after the public beating I endured almost twenty years ago. It had been messy, mean. His words were cutting. At least that's how Randy Dothett, former vice president of Quincy Jones Entertainment, characterized them. Randy is a producer of Judge Judy. I did tell him that I intended to write this. He said, and I quote, Her departure was designed like a mafia hit. It was planned for a while, but there were never any blow-ups on the set. No one ever fought. There was a usual tension at times, but nothing out of the ordinary. Taken from a deposition, taken under oath... From Hubert versus Smith, NBC, at L. Sometimes the wounds feel, well, so fresh. Like every time I walk into a room, onto a plane, into a PTA meeting, or anywhere. I have felt as if I had been tattooed with those three scarlet letters, BBB, that stand for Bitter Black Bitch. Yes, it is truly a small world, and Hollywood is even smaller. I may carry the mark of the beast for almost two decades later, but will my son. A while back, while digging through old boxes, I found the tape of an interview that radio station V103 in Atlanta had conducted with Will Smith. I called the radio station when I was thinking about writing this book. I remember the panic in the station manager's voice when I told him I was considering this project. He kept asking if I remembered who they were. Miss Hubert, I was not here when that happened, he said. Yes, but it did happen, and I have the tape, I said. VJ number two. So how could a person think they were the star of a show when the show wasn't even named after them? Smith. Right, right. Her thing was, quote, uh, she's been in the business for 15 years, and this snotty-nosed punk comes along and they give him a show. All VJs together. Ooh, ouch. VJ number one. This is not usual, you know. It's the same thing that Jimmy from Good Times said happened, Smith. It was a really, really bad situation for me, you know, because people felt like I could do something about it. VJ number two. Yeah, like you should intercede, Smith, excitedly. Right, right, like I should intercede, and I should go on and demand that this not happen. It was really important that I didn't have anything to do with her deal, VJ number two. So how are you going to deal with replacing her? Smith, giddily. Funny you should ask that question. VJ number one. Wait, wait, let's take a break. We all want to know the answer to that question. We'll be back in a moment, everybody, resumes. So how are you going to handle it? Smith, 
laughing. We're going to act like nothing happened. We're going to replace her and act like nothing happened. Studio erupts with laughter, continues after a while. BJ number one. So who is the replacement going to be? Smith. Well, the front runner is Daphne Reed. Oh, really, VJ2? Jazzy Jeff. We were looking to get Christy Love. Much laughter follows. They all joke for a while, then Smith says that it's finally time to move on from this discussion. He says, you know, it's kind of like comic timing. You know you can feel it. He then likens his interview to a drive-by shooting. He continues, you know, it's a small business, and my mama always said, be careful what you ask for, you might get it, he laughs. I had often wondered where his mother was in all of this. He said once on a publicity tape that she was there. Why, then, had she allowed her son to beat up on another mature female? I guess no one could really tell Smith what to do, not even his own mother. But I take my role as a mother, even a sitcom mom, very responsibly. Will thanked V103 for their support, noting Atlanta was one of the country's highest-rated cities, up there with Chicago, Detroit, and New York. The interview was sent over the wire service for the millions of Fresh Prince fans, and it was repeated again and again. Smith went on to become a megastar, but in the process, he left bodies including that of the original Vivian Banks, lying along the side of the road to his success. Why did I keep the tapes when listening to them was so painful? Why would I want to keep something that was so hurtful? It was a good question, and I knew readers would wonder. There have been many blogs and websites devoted to the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. For fans of Will Smith and people who love him, Fresh Prince has always been a popular Internet search phrase and topic. Again and again, however, many of these sites and blogs have chosen to engage in character assassination against the real me, Janet Hubert. And with every search return, their unfair words destroy me in the minds of, for example, generations of kids who wonder why there were two moms on the show. My own son has spent countless hours confounding the many get-a-lifers with nothing better to do than sit around and post misinformation on Wikipedia. He has repeatedly changed my page, sometimes posting equally preposterous information, such as that I cured cancer. For those of you who don't know already, Wikipedia should be taken with a big grain of salt, if not the whole salt mine. So that there are no more questions as to what really took place and what was said, I've made it my mission to finally put my words in print, and I challenge anyone, Will Smith, the great Quincy Jones, or network executives to dispute even one word. See, I have never been afraid to speak the truth, not as I viewed it, but objectively, how it really went down. I think enough time has passed. Smith is a megastar, even beyond the designs of his many handlers. But they are all sitting pretty atop the pile of bodies who are still licking their wounds and vowing never to see a Will Smith movie, exactly as I have done. Little House on the Midwest Prairie